So yeah, it's, it's about connection with the divine and that connection with the divine has to be cultivated by us. Hey, this is the Unrefined Podcast. I am Brandon Spain, your host, with co-host Lindsay Waters. Welcome to another episode. Hey, 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 we're back uh, with another episode. And in this episode, uh, Lindsay and I are going to be talking about something that we kind of feel is a significant topic to go along with a lot of the other podcasts that we've been doing and some of the podcasts we're probably going to be doing in the future. And it deals with prepping. So, Lindsay, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. When you hear the word prepping, what do you think about, Lindsay? Well, I mean, it can be something as simple as uh, getting your, your your workstation ready when you're doing something, cooking, and making sure everything's chopped and ready to go. Or I think maybe about, you know, since the, 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 the advent of the, the prepper reality TV show, yeah. I think about people who kind of are very much collapse minded, you know, they're 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 worried about the troubled times we live in and, and you know, they have bunkers and gear and equipment and doodads to to make sure they're prepared for zombie apocalypse or collapse or what have you. Yeah, fill in the blank, EMP or whatever. Yeah, I looked it up in the dictionary. It says that prepping is the uh, practice of making active preparations for a possible catastrophic disaster or emergency, typically by stockpiling food, ammunition, other supplies, stuff. Yeah, and that was kind of the 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 the, the 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 way I was looking to go. I know prepping for food and all that stuff is is still a part of that and is important and everything. But what I wanted to talk about today would be the dynamic of spiritual prepping. Um, there's been TV shows about physical prepping, like Lindsay was talking about. What was the name of that show? It was was I couldn't right. even remember the name of them, but I, yeah, I know, I know, I've seen some. Yeah, I think there's been several. Uh, I think I know about three, uh, three of them. But at the same time, I want to kind of delve into the whole topic of spiritual prepping, getting ready for you know what's what's coming. I just want to put a caveat in here, at least for me. I can't really speak for Lindsay. I'll let Lindsay speak on this. But uh, I have never been big into eschatology other than probably what the uh, theologians would call personal eschatology, which would mean what happens to the individual soul when they die. 
I've never really been big into what I call corporate eschatology or worldwide cosmological eschatology, like the, the end of the world. And the reason for that is mainly because there's been just so much hokey, do- hokey doctrine out there, not all of it, but and then just hokey people that promote the doctrine. And a lot of our cults that we have in the in the world today, let's face it, are tend to be more apocalyptic, focusing really heavily on end times type scenarios and stuff like that. So I've always kind of shied away. As a matter of fact, I've always said that, you know, I was a, uh, a pan millennial or, or a, a pansationist, you know, it all pan out in the, yeah. in the long run. And, um, yeah, I, Anyway, but I've, over the past years, uh, I've started to see that there is a need for us to have a, at least a basic understanding of cosmological type eschatology, where the world is headed, both positively and negatively. And I think for today, what we're going to talk about, I think that we need both. The negative is going to spur on the positive, but the positive is ultimately uh, getting ready for Jesus. Is how I would sum it up. Uh, Lindsay, what are, what what are your thoughts on eschatology and all that kind of stuff? I'm more or less in the same boat as you. I I was often kind of that that pan millennial idea. It's going to pan out however the Lord says wants it to, but uh, for a number of years too, I had a kind of a mix of this sort of what they call a a preterist understanding. Now, let me preface yeah. that with: there's a heretical version of that that says everything happened in the past. Usually, they point out AD seventy, the the temple destruction and the turmoil in the Roman Empire, and I, I never went that far, thankfully, because that that's a bad place to go. That's To me, that's de- denial of the bodily resurrection, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I tended to, to read Matthew 24 and much of Daniel and a good bit of Revelation from that, that viewpoint as far as the, you know, much of it was talking about the Roman Empire and emperor worship and and this and that and so that that shaped a, a lot of my thinking, but also just kind of this more symbolic view. You know, this is just talking about stuff that's just idealistic. Even maybe is a better word for it. This is talking about stuff that's just always true regardless of whether we're in the end times or not. Sort of, kinda, a, sort of allegorical? Would that be a yeah, good word? Just, yeah. Yeah. I just kind of had a, a mix of those two things. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it was just a way of being dismissive of the whole subject. Because like, like, like you said, it, I was kind of annoyed by the, the Hal Lindsey um, pre-trib dispensationalist crowd who just were wacky to me. Yeah, everything everything in the news was the end times, yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've changed over the years, too. And I could be wrong. 
we could have thousands of years to go. But I don't know, just the way things were were starting to to line up has changed. And also just the the preterist thing. I I just started looking at Revelation closely, and I just there's some things that I mean I've read Josephus, I've read plenty of primary sources from that era, and I just I just don't see how some of those historical events really even in some symbolic way line up with some of the things you see in Revelation. So it Yeah. I'm I'm I lean towards a more futurist understanding of eschatology now. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I do too and and a lot of that has come from a understanding of the Divine Council worldview. And I'm not saying that the Divine Council worldview or the the understanding of some things in the Old Testament always leads you to a futurist type of uh, eschatology, but you know at the same time uh, they did me. And it's interesting you brought up Matthew twenty four because uh, the passage that I was looking at that regardless of whether the end times are near, which I, I'm starting just to watch the world, watching the world go the direction it is and also also knowing some stuff about the what I'd call the enemy's plan the enemy's camp as they say in Lord of the Rings that there's a a date they have set of 2030 that they want their plan to be complete it seems like we are heading swiftly towards something some sort of uh what's the word I'm looking for Lindsay some sort of uh, enigmatic event a uh Catastrophe. Yeah, it, it, it could be catastrophe. I mean, it, it depends on, I guess, the secular people wouldn't consider it a catastrophe. They, oh, they're going to love it. Yeah, they're going to consider some sort of a, you know, a, a, there's a word that uh, the book, we read a book by Neil Cole. I can't remember the name of it. It was uh, really great. Rising Tide. Rising Tide. And he talks about that, that, uh, that point that uh, it seems that our world is heading toward. So anyway, despite that, despite my lack of vocabulary there, uh, 25 here that I want to read and I want us to talk about and discuss, and the topic of prepping is useful for us regardless of whether the world is going to end in seven years or not. Just simply, we if you watch human history, you see the rise and fall of empires and in the Roman Empire, I wish I would have known if I would have lived in, in that in that time period. I wish I would have known some of these principles of what we're going to call spiritual prepping back back then as well. So, if you don't mind, Lindsay, I'm going to read this passage out of uh, Matthew 25. Go the for par- it. The parable of the wise and foolish virgins. It's out of the New King James Version. Says, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels and their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight, a cry was heard Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose. They trimmed their lamps. 
the foolish said to the, the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And with him, and, and while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with them to the wedding, and the door was shut. So I'm sitting here like, what does this to have to do with prepping? You know, why are we having a podcast on spiritual prepping? Um, I'd like to say a, a few things just to kind of caveat where I'm coming from, and then I'll, I'll let Lindsay talk, you know, where he comes from. But the first one I want to say is that I am not really a conspiracy guy. I've always been the kind of person that's made fun of that. However, in the past um, six to seven years, I've started to embrace what I call conspiracy fact. If you're alive in this day and age and you don't see things that people were made fun of 10 years ago that are becoming reality, then you're blind. And I pray for your eyes to be opened. So I will say that. But I wouldn't go as far as to say that I'm a complete tenfold hat wearing card carrying member of everything that comes out of the conspiracy camp. Uh, I remember Y2K. I thought it was a crap, a load of a load of crud. You know, um, the 99 reasons Jesus is coming back in 99. I remember that book. Uh, it, it was just, it was just funny uh, to me. However, yeah, I just want to caveat while while I'm saying all this that that I, I wouldn't call myself a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. But I, I'm seeing stuff happen in the world that is leading me to to want to prepare physically, but but more or less, primarily what we're talking about today spiritually. Um, and the second thing I'd like to say is that I'm not predicting the return of Christ. I, I'm not a date setter. I that's one of the things that we, Lindsay and I were talking about that drove me nuts was the date setter people, and you know that every every animal in Revelations was some kind of helicopter or ad nauseum ad nauseum, you know. But there are things at least looming in in the West that you see that are obvious. The uh, the big one is issues with with China, um, the debt that we're in. Um, just Islamic and domestic terrorism, and just the the moral depravity, the the breakdown in in the institutions, you know. So we see all that stuff, whether it's the end of the world or not, whether the end of the world is coming quickly or not. There's definitely the end of an epoch. I guess that's a good word to to use, or an era that's coming, a season. And so what are we going to do to get ready for this next season? Lindsay, do you have anything you want to add or anything to say? Well, I mean, just First Timothy 4.8 came to mind. Just getting ready for this episode you know, for physical training is of some value. But godliness, and this, I'm reading the Amplified here, got spiritual training in parentheses is of value in everything and in every way since it hold promise 
It holds promise, excuse me, for the present life and for the life to come. So that that covers it all. Um, both the eschatologies, so to speak, you talked about. Um, directly after death, as well as the 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 new heavens, new earth. Yeah. And everything in between. And the now. I mean, it, it's important for the now. That verse, I think, highlights the importance of of the now for spiritual prepping. I mean, whether whether we're in the the end end times, so to speak, or not. I mean, there's still crises. There's still personal crises. Yeah. I mean, you, you need spiritual training for personal crises, deaths yes. of loved ones, economic turmoil. Just you name it. We need spiritual training for that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're totally right. I mean, it it's the it's the whole dynamic of we need to be prepared, um, and the whole essence of what a prepper is is, is someone that is prepared, and we need to be prepared because the reality is, is, is from a theological standpoint, we live in the end times right now. The end times started back at Pentecost, back in the book of Acts. And so theologically we sit in these end times right now and we have to be prepared for the possibility like, like Paul and them were, you know, you read throughout his letters and the other letters in the, in the new Testament and, and even in the Gospels, a a preparation for an imminent return. Um, you have to you have to be ready. We need to be ready for Jesus, and to be ready for the bridegroom, we have to make sure we have oil in our lamps. And uh, I've written down here. I wanted to share a, a few of these these things, characteristics of preppers. And when I mean preppers, I mean in the context that we're talking about them in, people that are getting ready for, you know, ap- uh, uh, apocalyptic or catastrophic type events, not zombie apocalypse, even though we laugh about that, but, <laughs> but more EMP or invasion or, or just the drying up of food and resources. But um, they're organized. Uh, the preppers say that organization is the key to life and death when you're in a, a, a one of these type situations. And this is from the Prepper Journal and Ready for All Preppers. Uh, I got this off the internet, so straight from the horse's mouth. Uh, they tend to grow their own food. They're minimalistic. They, they only take what they need. They're teachable and will change if a better way to do something comes up. They're a lifetime learner. They have hands on. They they they're not about talking, more about walking. They they they're they're about action. They're about you know in in Christian circles, they're about obedience, about doing what God says. You won't hear. We've always done this before from a prepper. Uh, like I said, they're willing to to change the way they think. Their goal is to survive. They know how to budget, conserve. Not just with money, but with everything. Uh, they value community. They know that it takes others to survive. 
Um, your odds of surviving increase dramatically in a community versus on your own. They're empathetic to others and their plight. I always noticed uh, when I followed Walking Dead that the enemies really weren't the zombies. The enemies were the other people. But what really saved the characters in that show were the community they were a part of. Yeah. The community that um, worked together. That was, to me, the, the best part of the show. Oh, yeah. Was the, the communities that were built in that show. Uh, there's a persistence. There's a will to survive and to not give up until breakthrough. And so, Lindsay, looking at those things we just talked about, those those uh, those things, where where do you see those in this passage that uh, we just went over? How, how do you think that would apply to these wise and foolish virgins? Well, I mean they they were they were self sufficient uh, as far as they grow your own food. They the wise versions anyway had had enough oil for their lamps. There's an interesting thing there too. I want to point out in the Greek there, the word for foolish is where we get the word moron from. Is moros or, or moros yeah. and. I always, I guess they, we really don't know how to pronounce biblical Greek, but however the consensus is, I think it's, it's moros or whatever, but, uh, or morose, but it's, we get the word morons from that, that yeah. word. Yeah, I think it's important to point out too, just in that biblical wisdom literature, wisdom tradition here, as the Hebrews understood. It probably to a degree how all the ancients understood it to some degree, but you know, wisdom and foolishness were bigger than just. I mean, what do we think about? We think smart and dumb when we hear those words, but it's so much bigger than that. Yeah, and ultimately, and this fits in perfectly with this parable. I think, I think that what you're getting at ultimately is wisdom and foolishness have always been more about connection to the divine than they have about smarts versus dumb. Yes. And that connection must be cultivated. And we do that by God's power. We don't get any credit for any of it, obviously, but, but that connection must be cultivated. I mean, you, you got to have oil to burn it and you got to have plenty and you need more of it to keep burning it. So it's got to be replenished. That, that, takes preparation and training. So yeah, it's it's about connection with the divine and that connection with the divine has to be cultivated by us. So yeah. yeah, I think that's important to highlight. And we see, you know, with the metaphors involved here, oil in is intimacy and it is often symbolic in in the new new and old testament as the Holy Spirit as yeah. intimacy with God. So you're right. It ultimately, whether we're wise or foolish, depends on our connection and our intimacy with God. Uh, if the foolish did not have that intimacy and they went and they missed missed out, um, that this whole picture, this whole, and I've heard other preachers preach on this as well, that, that this, this whole picture of this Matthew Matthew 
2025 uh, parable is is one of being ready to be connected, being ready for the bridegroom, being ready and you're ready because you're intimate versus not being ready and you're not ready because you're not intimate. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't think that's too exegetically far off uh, from this passage. I, I think I could say that, you know, that, that that was what he was getting after, you know, be prepared and you're prepared by having the oil of your lamp. And that oil is, is intimacy. So, you know, I guess what would, what would it, what would it mean? Uh, I guess the part two, I've been, I've been toying a lot with, with different things about, I love how Paul's letters are written. How in the first part of Paul's letters, the first few chapters are what what I call the the doc, doctrinal or the theological or the why part of his letter, and then usually the last one, two, or three chapters. Um, and of course, this is different in his different books. You know, Romans obviously is is long letter, and mm-hmm. so it's different. But usually in his shorter epistles, the last few chapters are the how you know and, and so mm-hmm. i've been toying with that with 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 life and what we're doing and 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 having and knowing the why and so we we know the why of the prepping we want to be prepared because there's 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 like you said there's going to be something out there and we need to be prepared be prepared intimately with the lord no matter what whether it's a personal catastrophe financial or whether it's, you know, not even worldwide, but just in our our own country, you know. Uh, if I recall three or four hundred years ago, Spain was the empire that ruled the world. And look where they are now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not dissing Spain. Spain's a great country. But they are not the world empire. England is not the world empire. They were mm-hmm. even 200 years ago. So empires rise and fall. and regardless of whether the end of the the new like you say the new heaven and new earth eschatology is coming uh sooner or later the way the american uh the united states is is the west is pursuing it, it's going to it's going to fall and we need to be ready yeah. so back to the, the the thing Lindsay, what do you think would be some of the the we have the why we need to be prepared because of honestly. And the reason why I thought this was an important podcast is because a lot of the things we talk about, uh, you know, uh, ranging from the cryptids to the, to the, uh, the, the, the giants to all that kind of stuff. We have to be ready for the days of Noah. We have to be ready for the end and to be ready. I hear a lot of people talking about what's coming but not a lot of people telling you how to be ready for what's coming, you know, how to, how to spiritually be prepared to say in the event, a, a, a mark of the beast comes around, how the, the, the word says that we could in places that we could, even the elect could be deceived and, and we don't mm-hmm. want to be, you know, deceived. And so anyway, back. So what is the how to Lindsay, what do you think, you know, looking at this, what what do you think are some of the how-tos that we can begin to uh, embrace 
to get ready to be spiritually prepared for what's coming. Man, there's there's a lot. Obviously, knowing knowing the word is important. The holy scriptures are are sort of are written orders uh, from the Lord, and uh, but not just left brain knowing it. I mean, just really getting it down down into the heart there, um, so that it transforms us. Um, obviously what you said the the whole intimacy part is important knowing the lord um, and and hearing him hearing and obeying his voice yeah and there there was something else that 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 really kind of i thought of well just the the wise virgins couldn't couldn't help the unwise versions as far as giving them their oil. You talked about the importance of community. And that is, I mean, they were all a part of that wedding procession and needed to help each other where they could. But the five wise virgins couldn't have intimacy for the five foolish virgins. Um, Yeah, good point. I think that's important. I know we like the... I like to think about the community part of it, um, but but the individualistic part of it is important too. I mean, I can't have a relationship with the Lord on your behalf. I can pray for you, as I should. I can encourage you, love you, and, and be your brother, but I can't have the relationship with the Lord for you. And to me, that's an important practical part of this is You've got to have your own relationship with the Lord. You can't have that for somebody else, and nobody else can have it for you. Yeah, and and that's what I think is is missing in a lot of what we call religion today. Even in, even what I would call religion in Christianity, not just uh, other religions in the world, is is it's 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 communal. And it, it, it has to be walked out. I mean, John Wesley said that, that holiness is social holiness. In other words, that to walk in holiness, you can't do it in a room by yourself with no one else. You can't love a one another when there's not another to love. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, there is definitely a place for your individual relationship. That is that communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is is where the the intimacy flows together, but then flows out in the communion with everyone else. Uh, you know, and, and you were talking about the word. I think the word is essential and important, but also the interesting thing, and this goes along with the prepper thing that I wanted to add in, is that a, a prepper grows their their own food. They're, they're self-feeding. They feed themselves. With the word, and they don't wait just for a Sunday morning sermon. They, they, they go and get it themselves. They're they're 
What's the word I'm looking for? They are uh, self-starters. They're self-feeders. Yeah. And uh, it works. Yeah, and, and so I, I think that's an, an important aspect of what we were talking about with the the word earlier is, you know, uh, being a self-feeder, self-starter with it. Yeah. Amen. The um, they hear his voice. And obey. You you touched on that earlier. I've read a book before that was mainly discussing the aspects of the Bible from front to back is just hear the Lord's voice, trust that it's true, and obey what it says. And I think a lot of times we overcomplicate that with a lot of doctrinal loops and loop-de-loops and theological stuff. And there's nothing wrong with all that. I think we don't like it that minimalized or that simple because then it gives us room to not obey, to fudge it, so to speak. You know, what do you think? Yeah. Well, yeah, more more rules means more loopholes and more... Ways to dismiss it. Yeah. As a recovering Pharisee myself, I, I know about that. Me too. Yeah, yeah, we just we need a we need a stripped down light stripped down of a model as we can get. I mean, if I come to you and tell you to do something and say it's God, you have two options. You know, you can obey it. Or you can think, hey, he's a whack job, and I'm not going to listen to him, and I'm not going to do it. Which I hope, depending on what it was, it would be the second. But at the same time, if God comes to you in your intimacy with him and tells you to do something, you have two options as well. You either obey or you disobey. And we know know the, the problem with disobeying. It might not issue forth in hell and damnation but it might issue forth with a lot of problems in life you know a lot of yeah consequences and circumstances and uh so yeah it's another one that doesn't require any end times just paying the stupid tax as they say (laughs) oh yeah 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 and 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 Another prepper value is that you know they're not only hands on they 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 don't they they are not about talk they're also about action I, I said that earlier in the in the thing and they're heavily involved in communal worship they they worship together uh you know both both in, in our world both physically face to face but also uh, they can worship together you know electronically through different technology that we have available like like we do on Sundays and stuff a lot of times and but we still have to have those that that, that song hymns and spiritual songs and and that that communion the body and the blood and and that that importance and that's kind of a lifeline too of intimacy with God which leads to intimacy with others so a, a value on that community, you know, if mm-hmm. something catastrophic or or ap- apocalyptic occurred, there might not be electricity to have 
the technology, but you would have still be able to get together in in groups and have the community, you know, and mm-hmm. and and also I think the ultimate uh, price to be paid would be martyrdom, and martyrdom would be a heck of a lot easier to do with a community supporting you than than by yourself. Uh, oh, yeah. Not trying to be morbid here. You know, but this is a realization in our world today. If you think people aren't martyred for their faith, you've never been outside the United States, which uh, people are martyred daily for what they believe. And the, 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 it takes the, the grace of the Holy Spirit and then the communion of the saints for them to be able to persevere for it to be worth just giving up their lives for the sake of the gospel, for the kingdom. So. I guess the you know we we talked about the the why we've talked about the how and uh, kind of want to just wrap it up and give Lindsay any any give him any last words anything he'd like to say but uh, the the Magna Carta of Jesus is in Luke four verses fourteen through twenty one kind of the the goals of a Christian life that we want to we want to get intimate with that we want to walk walk with uh the Lord with is it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me there's that oil there's that that intimacy because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and of course that word poor there is not just poor as in financial it's poor as in spirit too as well and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, there's the power and the supernatural, but also just the, the love and communion and being with the brokenhearted uh, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which in my understanding, I would see that as the eschat- eschatological ending of the new heaven and new earth, the Jubilee, that would be ultimately where this would culminate to would be a new heaven and a new earth that we would uh, be able to live without sin and live together in perfect harmony and and all that. And, and, and so right now I've heard it many times said that we are training. Okay. We, we, we're born again. But that is just the beginning of, of, of the journey. It, it's about the kingdom, not, not just salvation. But part of that, that whole purpose of that kingdom is to get us to a place to where, where we will live again and we will be participating as the bride of Christ, but also participating as sons and daughters of God. And we'll be able to go back to where Adam and Eve, particularly Adam, dropped the ball and, and begin to live life again, live real life, true life, eternal life. And and uh, I, I just think that that's the... The penultimate goal, and we have to have that in mind, or or we won't let somebody lop our head off if if we don't yeah. have that sort of hope. 
Um, I've noticed that most eschatologies don't focus much on hope. They focus a lot on fear. And, and that, you know, and, and, and part of our, po- our podcast is, is about the truth. I mean, we, we want to, to know what's coming, what's out there, what's happening, kind of have an understanding of, of what's going on in the world and how we need to live it. So I'm not taken away from, you know, being prepared as far as information wise, but ultimately we need to have an eschatology of hope. We need to look forward to that new heaven and new earth and that communion with each other without all the um, encumbrance that we have now because of sin and and the fallenness of this world. So, Lindsay, you have anything you want to add to that? Well, yeah, I just I thought the whole... I would, I would say... One important discipline um, for this will definitely be fasting. Mm. I mean, even just on a more practical economic turmoil level, one way to prepare for a time when there's going to be less food is to just learn how to go without it before that time. I mean, the Lord's going to take care of us, but. I think fasting is an important way to do that. And it just teaches you self-control in general, which is an important thing we're going to need for, for this this time of of distress and collapse. It looks like it's coming. We're just learning how to be people of, of self-control. And ultimately, that, that's got to come from the Holy Spirit and intimacy. Yeah, you can only you can only will and fight your way to so much of that. You you don't have the strength. You're going to need the Lord. Yeah, what Sandy and I Sandy says all the time: we white knuckle it. You can only white knuckle it so far. Oh, yeah. You know, hanging on to your life. Yeah, that's a great point about the the fasting. I mean, that's uh, particularly the the part about being able to to go days without food. Because I mean, you know, I've heard people. In our pampered West, uh, you know, oh, I, I missed a meal. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm growing faint. I'm gonna pass out because I didn't have lunch, <laughs> you know. And, and our, our forefathers way back, you know, uh, in the days of Noah and before, you know, they, I think oftentimes they go days without eating because they had to kill and eat their food or grow their food or, you know, they didn't have three squares a day, so. But that's a, yeah, that's a great point. And, and then the fact that like what you said, in, in my experience, when I get past a certain threshold in fasting, there becomes an, an intimacy with God that I just can't describe. It's a, uh, yeah, there's, there's a mystical. Yeah. Back to fasting that I, you know, it, it works just because the Lord said it's going to work and there's some things going on that we can't see. I mean, yeah. I can't get away from that. Yeah, I mean, there's a place for fasting and prayer together to to give add to 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 add oomph or ammunition or firepower to your prayer. I think the most powerful aspect of fasting and and what it's mostly used for is that intimacy with God, that connection, that presence 
And that's what I've been learning, even in my own spiritual life, is that continual Brother Lawrence, Frank Lombach, uh, other people that have done that, of of walking in his presence in a minute by minute, day by day, hour by hour. And, and that fasting uh, supercharges that because the flesh is put aside. And if we're going to live in a, in, in a world where, where things are not, uh, let's say, nice and cozy and, and pampered like our Western world tends to be, we're going to have to know how to put the flesh aside because it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be tough. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to live. It's going to, it's not going to be comfortable. That's what I'm looking for. It is not going to be comfortable. And if, if, if we do not get our flesh under control through fasting, like you said, we're going to be really surprised when things aren't comfortable anymore. I was just wondering, Brandon, as far as our, American, or if you wanted to even zoom out further than that, Western culture, what are some things in your mind that kind of work against this spiritual prepping? Some things we got to work a little bit harder at. Well, I think, in my opinion, you know, and I've versed this numerous times to you, just media. Uh, media is huge. Media is a huge distraction and I enjoy it. I love it. I consume it. It's as much a part of my life as anything else. I mean, as a matter of fact, we're using it right now. We're doing it right now and we're recording it for people to consume it. However, I think that we need to get back to a place to where we have technology instead of technology has us or the we consume the media instead of the media consuming us. Yeah. Exactly. Don't know if it's going to happen, but I do think with us as being different because we're called to be different, a peculiar people in the world as Christians, I think part of the yeah, that would be a, a very crucial thing. I do know that we would be ready for I, I think one of the things that's going to drive people crazy if everything went to to pot would be just boredom. People today yep. don't know how to be bored. I watch my my boys when the lights go off during a storm, and they have no idea what to do. Just the the boredom. So, yeah, I, I, that would be mine. What would be yours? What What do you think? Well, I mean, that individualism can certainly work against us when it comes to this, as far as building a, a stable, believing community. As far as the worship aspect, our dependence on the, the big show, the Sunday show, mm. I think works against this when you can't really have that anymore. Yeah. At least you got to have a more simplified version of it. Yeah. But if you don't have some amazing preacher... What if it's just, hey, we got to share what the Lord's put on our hearts from the scriptures? What if you don't have amazing worship leaders? What if well, everybody my, sucks at singing? You still got to yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or what, what What if, like, you know, everybody has to get around together and, and say, okay, what, is, what are we hearing from the Lord together as a group oh, yeah. that we need to follow together, you know, like a corporate 
hearing that doesn't even exist. Even in a lot of what I'd call the organic forms of Christianity today, it, it, it's not a, you know, uh, we need to learn to listen to God corporately. And, you know, you and I have, and, and, and other people in our lives, we, we've engaged in corporate listening times. We've been taught that. But I think that's crucial, too, uh, because people may have a key to what's going on that, you know, that, 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 you might have a key that I don't have, and 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 so I, I think that's important too. Corporate listening. Well, you know. and yeah, I mean, sometimes we hear it, but we hear it a little wrong, and need a brother or sister to clarify it for us a little. Yeah. Bit. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up. Uh, for any of you people out there, we would love to hear from you at our website. Our website is uh, www.unrefinedpodcast.com. You can always find us on Facebook and we can engage in conversation what you thought about spiritual prepping. I'm thinking about beginning to make posts about the different podcasts and trying to get us going on our page with some conversation. So find the page for Unrefined Podcast and like it. And join it. We also have three uh, levels of subscription. The links are in our show notes. From Lindsay and I, we thank you for joining us on this journey into spiritual prepping. Any final things, Lindsay? No, man, just, yeah. Thanks for joining us for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening and supporting us. And remember, stay naturally. Supernatural.